GCC, we are so excited to have you here with us this Sunday morning. If you're new with us this morning, we want to connect with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen and fill out that CONNECT card so that we can get in touch. Something that makes us an amazing church is that we serve together. If you're interested in serving and you want to get some more information, go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so that we can get you involved. It's time to get this service started and jump into worship. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time.
forever you're the one who brings spring out of wind 
Just because the music has ended doesn't mean our worship has to. We want to continue in worship this morning through giving. We try to make this as easy as possible for you, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website to give. Pastor Mike has some amazing things in store from the Word today, and we want to hear what it's all about, so let's head on over. Hey, good to be with you again around the Word of God at Mission Vale Christian Church. Glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series called Compelled. Compelled to share your faith. And I just have a firm conviction that all who put their trust in Jesus Christ 
we ought to be compelled, not from external circumstances, not because we have to or we ought to, but because we've been touched with the love of God, that God puts something deep down within us that we should want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. I can think of no better message, no greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have that message to share at this one opportune time when there's so many people that are hurting and looking for answers. We're in week three, and I'm calling this one, uh, Don't Blow It. The reason I'm calling Don't Blow It is, um, I think a lot of us sharing our faith, we're afraid of making a mistake or blowing it or not having the answers right. Or what if I say something that I shouldn't have said and, and just blow it? And we don't have to worry about that. And that's why I want to go into Acts chapter nine. Now, before we do that, um, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life story here in the ninth chapter of Acts. And he writes uh, years later in 2 Corinthians 5.14, he says, For Christ's love compels us. And I just I think about the writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, the people that he influenced, and, and, and the way that he was so on point, so on mission for the gospel and advancing the gospel. He was compelled. Man, there was nothing that was going to stop the Apostle Paul from sharing the good news with as many people as possible. I want to share with you two stories, two life stories, two different people from complete different backgrounds, completely different circumstances, but all came to the same point. One of his name, uh, the guy's name is Dave. Dave uh, was raised in a home that he had uh, just a, a mess from the beginning of his life. Uh, parents constantly fighting. There was drug abuse in the home. Parents got divorced when he was a teenager. He was totally into sports, played uh, high school football. It was around his sophomore year that this happened. Family broke up and he started hanging around uh, uh, young people around his age that just were just negative and just into bad stuff. So we started uh, partying, going to uh, parties, drinking, doing drugs. Um, unfortunately, through years and years of addiction, he got so hooked on drugs and alcohol, I mean, he could not stop. His life was spiraling out of control. He had a grandson that he hadn't seen in 10 years. Uh, his daughter that he wasn't able to talk to in years, and he basically had nothing to live for. He got so low, so empty, so broken in his life. God knew that Dave had a purpose and a plan, and he wasn't going to let him go. And so God sent a person into Dave's life, invited him to come to a church service. And as he sat there and listened to the pastor's message, the message was so absolutely crystal clear that God loved Dave, that he created him, that he had a purpose and plan for his life, and that there was nothing that he was, had done or doing in his life that made him too far away from God. And through Jesus' love and the fact that he died on a cross and paid the penalty for his sins and saved him and forgave him and to prove that he was God, he rose on the third day, came back to life. Dave made a decision when he heard that message and surrendered everything to Jesus. Man, there was such a life transformation that um, as he's telling me his story, tears are welling up in my eyes. My heart is beating a little bit faster as I'm feeling the intensity of that moment when he gave his life to Jesus. He talked about just demonic influences and there was so much darkness in his life. And man, when Jesus came into his life, it was like Jesus turned on the light switch and his whole life was absolutely transformed and nobody, nobody would ever be able to convince him otherwise. That's case study number one. Case study number two, I want to introduce you to Mark. Mark grew up in a Christian home. Mark went to youth group as a kid, went on Wednesday night, uh, junior high and high school nights, went to church camps, church every Sunday, read his Bible, um, you know, tried to follow Jesus. It was the right thing to do. There was a point when he went to a church camp that they had a question at the end of the third night 
of that high school camp, the speaker got up and said, if there's anyone here that'd like to give their life to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. It'll be the best thing you'll ever do. And so he recognized, Mark did, that he was in sin and that he needed Jesus Christ in his life. He opened up his heart, received Christ, made a commitment right there. When he got home, got baptized, the whole nine yards. He was so on fire for Jesus Christ that he signed up for a ministry that he just felt God was leading him to. It was in his college age years to serve and work with junior high school students. Came alongside the youth pastor, kind of became a big brother to some of these young high school or junior high kids. What happened was absolutely amazing. His life was so transformed from the inside out that he began to pour into these young kids and share the gospel with them. As he shared the good news with these young kids, he was baptizing junior high kids left and right. My understanding, there was never as many junior high kids baptized during that time when Mark was one of the uh, volunteer leaders in junior high ministry. He absolutely, God used him to transform all these junior high guys' lives. The reason I bring that up is these are two different people. Dave and Mark came from completely different backgrounds. Dave came from a drug abuse. I mean, just, just spiraling out of control. Mark came from a good home, but they both recognized that they needed Jesus Christ. And even though the transformation looked different on the outside, on the inside, the same thing happened. And because they loved Jesus with all their heart, they decided, not knowing one another, that they were now going to share the gospel with as many people as possible. I share that only to share this, that when we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, which we're going to look at him sharing his faith life story with people that were um, in opposition against him, some people were listening, Everybody has a story. Every single one of us. Every single one of us was lost. We were empty. We were broken. We came to a point where we received Christ as our Savior. We received Christ and He changed our life. So at this time, when we look at this story, this life story, I I want so much for us to be compelled to share our story. To share your story, how Jesus changed your life, and how lost people in your life can be affected simply by telling your story. Now, before we read Acts chapter 9, and we're just going to read the Apostle Paul's life story here, um, I just want to back up and bring some context to it. In Acts chapter 8, there was a guy named Saul who was hearing that Christianity was exploding. I mean, it was like spreading like wildfire. Home churches were starting. People were getting baptized. People were getting saved. Christianity was going from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, literally to the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, the Apostle Paul at the time named Saul had one mission, and that was to destroy Christianity. He was Jewish. He was a Roman. He was a Pharisee. He had all of the uh, academic accolades. He had everything the world could ever offer, but there was still something missing in his heart, and that was God. And so his one mission was to take down the church and take down Christians. And so literally in Acts chapter 9, the very first verse, the last part of 8 and the first part of chapter 9, it says that when Stephen, who was the very first martyr for Jesus Christ, when he was stoned to death, he was persecuted, not for breaking the law, but simply because he was sharing the gospel and the governmental authorities at that time disapproved of that. So they stoned him to death. And that some of the Jewish leaders didn't like Stephen and so for preaching the gospel, and so they had him ordered a death sentence. It says that there was a young man named Saul who was in approval of Stephen's death. Then it says this in chapter 9, verses 1 to 3. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for the letters 
in the synagogues in Damascus so that he might uh, find as many people as possible of the way, whether men, women, or children, that he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he heard, as he was uh, neared the road to Damascus on his journey, journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. This story, as the Apostle Paul is, is going to share his conversion three different times throughout the book of Acts, question is, why was the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus? Well, we know that he went to the high priest here, as we just read, to get letters of all the Christians and where they were, because he wanted to either throw them in prison or be in approval of their death. We know from history that there were at least 40 synagogues on the way to the Damascus road where he was going. 10,000 Messianic Jews had given their life to Jesus Christ during this time, and he wanted the first pick of how many Jewish Christians he could kill. So in his mind, he's thinking, why would these people follow a dead guy? Why would they follow a guy named Jesus Christ who claimed that he came back from the dead? Of course, we all know that he didn't. And so in his mind, he's justifying all this as a work of God. So Paul, what's interesting to me, the Apostle Paul, who was previously named Saul, um, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, years later would write these very words. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to hold for which Jesus Christ has taken hold of me. The Greek there, take hold, really means to arrest. And I think what Paul is saying is in the same way that Jesus arrested me with his love, with his forgiveness, with the fact that Saul was the understanding that that I have killed people in the name of God, and how could God choose me and forgive me and change my life? I certainly don't deserve his love and forgiveness. And so his entire life was devoted to the fact that he was compelled because God had done so much for him that he wanted to share that love with others. So as we read here, he's on the road to Damascus. There's a white light from heaven and a voice from heaven begins to speak. What I love about this is suddenly, verse number three, and a voice, Saul, Saul, why, man, why are you persecuting me? It's, it's been, you know, look, this text has been looked at by many commentators and scholars. What some believe is that when Paul was asking the question, is that you, Lord? He knew that Caesar was Lord. In fact, in that day, when you walked into the city, you literally had to raise your hand and say, Caesar is Lord before entering the city. As Paul would have been looking off into the distance on the Damascus Road, some say that the sunlight might have hit the temple and that bright light was shining in his face and he thought it was the light from the temple, the sunlight that was bouncing off of it, and he thought that Caesar was speaking to him because Caesar literally, he thought, Caesar thought he was God. That's why it says on every corn, Caesar is Lord. So Saul might have thought that this is Caesar talking to me. And of course, in just a few moments, he realized that this was not Caesar. This was God Almighty. This is God's son, the one that he was persecuting. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says, man, when you're persecuting my people, you're hurting me, Saul. So I want you to go into the city and it'll be told what you are to do. There's two things here that, that are noticeable. Is that the man that Saul thought was dead 
is now alive and Saul was a believer. He also recognized, I believe, that this man, Jesus, is with me now. If he's alive and he's with me now and he's talking to me, then he must be God. He must be worth following. And so now he does this amazing, makes this amazing decision to surrender everything to Jesus. Which leads us to two points here out of this text. No one, no one is beyond God's reach. No one is ever too far away from God. Secondly, no two stories are alike. You have a story, I have a story about how we met God. And if you haven't met God, I hope that you'll do that at the end of this message and that God can use your story to reach someone else. It's simple. There's a pattern that I see in the Apostle Paul's life. He gives his story three times in the book of Acts. His life, number one, before knowing Jesus. His life accepting Jesus Christ into his life, how he met Jesus. And then his life since following Jesus. Some people think, well, I really have a testimony. I don't have a story. I mean, I grew up in the church all my life. I never really, you know, did the prodigal son thing. I've really never, you know, gone off the rails. So my story is kind of boring. You know, the stories of people being on drugs and alcohol and they killed three people and they just, you know, and then Jesus transformed their life. They feel like their story is not as impactful. Wrong. The reason I say that is this. The people that have been on the path of following Jesus all their life have a story and can relate to people who have grown up in the church and ran away from the church, who grew up with God and ran from God. I personally can't relate to that person because I didn't grow up in the church. So my point is, every single Christian has a story to tell, and your, your story relates to somebody that my story won't relate to. So my story is very simple. How do we, how do, we do this? So before we get locked into this thing, man, oh man, I, I want to share the gospel with a friend of mine, but I don't want to blow it. Let's just put that out of our mind, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is how we do this. My life before God. Man, I was empty. I was broken. My life was a mess. I was spiraling out of control. I didn't know where to turn. I was invited to a Christian concert. The only reason I went to the Christian concert is to check out the girls. When I got there, sat in a room with about three to 400 other high school students in a big uh, auditorium. A guy gets up. He gives the simple message that we were created by God, that we separated ourselves from God because of sin. Jesus came and died on a cross to pay the total penalty. He wiped out all of our bad stuff, all of our junk, all of our, all of our bad behavior. He, he died and erased all of it and he forgave us. If we just simply put our faith in him, we get the benefits of all that. And if you want to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. The message was so simple. Jesus died on a cross and he rose again to show that he was God in flesh. Man, when I heard that message, I was all in. I just knew this is it. This is truth, and I no longer have to be searching for fulfillment in life. Not only that, but there's a free ticket into heaven, which I certainly want to live forever with God. And so um, I made that decision to accept Jesus Christ into my life. I knelt down. I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I asked him to forgive me for all my crap, all my sin, everything. And man, when I got up, there was a transformation that was starting in my life. That was a Wednesday night. I went home that night so filled. Someone put a Bible in my hand, never even read the Bible, but started reading the Bible, went to church, went to youth nights, and just started sharing with my friends about Jesus Christ. Now, some of them wanted nothing to do with me. Some of them would be willing to listen. But that's how I came to know Christ. 
My life since knowing Jesus has been absolutely, I would never want to turn back. But certainly the temptations are still there. Problems are there. Um, just issues are there. We've had in our family um, cancer. I've had loss of my parents. I've had just devastating disappointments in my life. But I do have the strength of Jesus Christ to get me through that. And there's no way, no way that I'd ever want to look back. Now, I don't know what the future holds as far as persecution and what only God knows. But I so want to cling to my faith. And like Paul, I want to know the power of the resurrected Christ and share, sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to continue to follow him. So that's a simple form of how we give our testimony. My life before Christ, accepting Christ, and how my life is different since then. Anybody can do this. Anybody can simply sit across a napkin at Starbucks and say, hey, could I share something really, really impactful that happened to me in my life with you? And because we have that trust built and relationship built, I, I really feel like people will listen. Sometimes people won't come to a church service. They won't come to a Bible study, but they'd be willing to listen to your story. You and I have relationships with people that I believe God built a bridge, which we talked about in session number one. Jesus was the master bridge builder. And those bridges were built simply for us to be bold enough to open our mouth and share our faith story with somebody, asking them if they'd like to know Jesus in their life. I want you to think about this. One life impacting one life. We'll finish with this. Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman. I love this story. He had four sons, and he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with all four of his sons. One son was, you might recognize this name, D.L. Moody, the famous preacher, preacher of preachers. He shares the gospel with a guy named F.B. Meyer. You might know that name. Also another famous preacher who on the East Coast shared the gospel with homeless people and reached out to the poor. He shares the gospel with a guy named Wilbur Chapman, who worked for the YMCA. He got saved, and then he shared the gospel and hired a guy, you might remember this name, Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was a professional baseball player turned Christian, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ and preached these amazing crusades. Billy Sunday shares the gospel at a group of businessmen on the East Coast in North Carolina. These businessmen accepted Jesus Christ into their life, and they, go, they got so excited about God that they went out and hired a guy named Mordecai Ham to do crusades all over the country. One night at the crusade, a tall, over six foot tall, young, lanky man walked down the aisle to give his life to Jesus Christ. And you know his name, Billy Graham. Isn't that amazing? One life, touching one life, touching one life, and another life, and another life. Simply because one person was bold enough to share the gospel, the good news, with someone else. Now, what can we do? Number one is this, never underestimate the power of your story. I think it's really good when we write out our, our story or testimony, and that way it helps us to kind of process through and we feel comfortable sharing it. I want you to pray for five people, five people in your life that you'd like to see come to Jesus Christ by the end of the year and be willing then to share the good news. What I love about this ninth chapter of, of Acts is it finishes up with just an amazing, just wow. It says, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision and said, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Ask for a man in Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he saw a man named Ananias come and place hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have been hearing many reports about this man and all the harm that he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were here coming here, has sent me to you to see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking uh, some food, he regained his strength. God may want to use you like Ananias in somebody's life to bring the good news of hope that Jesus is still alive. Hey, if, if this is your moment now, if you're listening to this going, man, I feel far away from God, you can make a commitment to Jesus Christ right now. It's simply putting your faith into Jesus Christ, and I'll help pray with you right now. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I accept you. I confess to you, God, that I've sinned. I lay it all before you, God. Forgive me, and I receive you now into my life. Help me, God, to follow you all the days of my life. And I trust you now in Jesus' name, amen. I hope this was helpful for you. If it was, really want to encourage you to share this message with someone online, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week uh, about Compelled on part number four. God bless you.